1: Thank you so much, Tabi Solihoko, for that update. Coming up uh, a bit later, we'll have our economics update, uh, and after that, we'll also have our sports news. So do stay with us so much coming up on our programme today. As you know that uh, from Monday to Friday, we unpack the big issues of the week, move away a little bit from the headlines and try to really beef up uh, some of the issues that uh, sometimes are just uh, highlighted on the surface uh, on a daily basis basis. So on our program today, we're zooming into South Africa's uh, third wave scenario. Are we in a third wave? Are we not in a third wave? But also we'll contextualize this uh, program in terms of looking at other issues that affect uh, the continent in light of COVID-19. We know that from a South African perspective, uh, the country's Department of Health has stated that 3,084 new uh, coronavirus cases have been recorded in the past 24 hours, taking South Africa's total number of reported cases to 1,640,932. At least 102 people have died of COVID-19 related illnesses with the total number of fatalities now standing at 55,976. South Africa's health department has warned that all provinces continue to show increases in new cases as well as a 17% increase in hospitalizations in the past week. At least 700,904 people have so far been vaccinated in phase two of the COVID-19 vaccine program. The National Coronavirus Command Council was reported to have met yesterday to discuss the increase in cases with uh, South Africa's Ministerial uh, Advisory Committee. While assisting us on this particular issue, we have these amazing experts who always give us their time and we do not take it for granted. Thank you to Dr angelique could chairperson of the south african medical association thank you to professor ames die who is a bioethics and uh, health law expert and she is very versatile in her expertise indeed uh, but we'll stick to those right now thank you both for giving us your time let me start with you uh dr kuts we've been speaking to you since uh, the beginning of this outbreak uh, worldwide now we seeing ourselves in a new phase uh with these new spikes of COVID-19 numbers. What are your key concerns right now?
0: Uh, good uh, good morning and also good morning to my colleague, Prof Ames, and to all your listeners out there. Um, our concerns currently is um, the trend of um, getting more infection of the people out there. We can see there's a, an increase in um, also... Um, at the practices of, uh, especially in Gauteng, uh, of daily more COVID cases coming in. Uh, So there's two things that's important to mention here, and and, and I think this is going to, to attribute or contribute to our problem, is that some of the people, especially those under 40 years of age, are not very sick takes them about a day or two, and then they feel much better. And um, then the problem of having them stay at home for at least 10 days is is a big issue because they're not feeling sick. They're fine. They want to go back to work. Um, If they don't listen, they go back to work. Um, They are still contagious. They are going to spread the virus. So the people under 40, we have not seen them severely ill, the problem is they're going to spread the virus if they don't listen to us. Mm-hmm. The second thing is the elderly people, they are more sick, and they, are, they will be the ones that drive the hospital admissions. And if we're not going to start to get behavior improved of people out there and start to understand the difficulty um, of not adhering to um, the uh, non-pharmaceutical um, um, Uh, recommendations Mm. and if you are sick and you're not really sick we have made the diagnosis of COVID-19 please do not go to work I know you're not very sick but please listen what we are asking you and do what we ask you.
1: Yeah absolutely and just hearing your concerns there you're starting to see certain shifts in in, in the trends uh, Dr. Kutsia but let me move it to you Professor Adai what are your concerns?
2: Uh, you know, uh, well, I'll start off by saying good morning to you, Benjamin. Uh, good morning to Dr. Kutsia and the listeners. Mike, I, I echo, uh, Dr. Kutsia's concerns. I also think we need to go one step further. Um, they did say that contact sport was to be banned in schools. But, uh, it seems as if it's, uh, uh this seems to be competitive contact sport. And what we're what we also finding is that children from a very young age group that are involved in contact sports, like simple things like soccer and netball, playing after school in school teams, practicing, that has also led to an increase in infection. And, you know, these children bring the infection home as well. And I think it's so important for all of society, including our school principals uh, and school bodies, to take into consideration how the virus is spread and, uh, and not wait for restrictions before instituting common sense policies uh to prevent the spread so yeah there is a there's a lot of concern out there um, the other concern is um, we we have started our roll out and yes we're doing very well as a country i would say in terms of the roll out and already we you know the vaccination numbers are over 700,000 One can qualify and question the very well, but I I think considering from where we started off, I do believe that we're progressing. However, my huge concern is access to the vaccines. Mm. Are we going to get enough vaccines Mm. to contain the spread? Because, uh, you know, when you look at mutations and Mm. there's mutations around the world, what the commonest cause of mutations, it's rapid multiplication of the virus, mm. coupled with slow or no vaccine rollout. And, and my concern is from the perspective of a global scale as well, with regard to all of us having a right to get vaccines. And unfortunately, because of uh, laws at the level of the World Trade Organization, international law, we are sitting in a situation where countries, you know, I would like to say that every country must have the right to make its own vaccines, Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. during a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And we're not able to practice that right.
1: You know... Tell us a little bit about that 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 area because I was going to ask you Um, on this issue of vaccine waivers that seem to dominate the agenda from a continental perspective and also we saw South Africa's President Cyril very stern in his visit in Paris last week when referring to vaccine nationalism around the issues of vaccine procurement, protectionism Um, there seems to be something that is worrying Africans uh, African leaders themselves but also there seems to also be an awareness. Awareness even uh, from countries where vaccines are being produced in this light. However, they seem not to budge.
2: Yes, that, that is of huge uh, concern. And the problem is that wealthier countries uh, are yet to recognize that Everyone will benefit if vaccine uh, manufacturing is distributed evenly around the world. Now, the thing is, uh, for for, for that to happen, it's important that COVID-19 vaccines must be recognized as a public health good. And what is a public health good? Uh, it's a good that is non-exclusionary, so no one is excluded from getting it. And it's a good that should be non-competitive, so there shouldn't be competition on the market for it. So in other words, it should be made available at uh, minimum cost or no cost for those that cannot afford. Uh, and, and this is what uh, the World Health Organization is trying to push the United Nations, uh, you know, the UN AIDS, uh, that's the United Nations AIDS charity organization, but the wealthy countries ha- are still not budging uh, in terms of uh, the, you know, waiving, mm. wavering the patent mm. on COVID 19 vaccines. I think a patent waiver is right and it's For everyone globally, Mm. so and and this, you know, and so a campaign was initiated by India and South Africa, Mm. and the principle underlying that campaign was to temporarily waive the intellectual property protection Mm. on these vaccines. Now. It was started off by two countries, and I'm really proud to say that South Africa was one of our countries. It is being backed by more than 100 countries. And like I said, together with WHO, UNAIDS, so international organizations. And what is the goal of that c- campaign? That's to reduce the barriers to countries producing their own vaccines. Mm. And this really applies to us in low income countries.
1: Absolutely campaign
2: mm. does not have the support of the pharmaceutical industry and several high income nations mm. including japan south korea the united kingdom and the U- and many european union member states and you know the question that begs an answer is what is so difficult in understanding that no one is safe until everyone is safe
1: mm. You know, let's let's come back to you Dr. Angelique Kutsia, because we we've, we've moved a bit forward to where I wanted us to be but uh, uh, you know conversations are not always curated in 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 a in a format that uh, is unnatural and I think this is a natural way the conversation should go as Professor Ames Die has brought forward her concerns in this light. You are very central when it comes to the procurement of the Johnson and Johnson vaccines especially at the time we're having concerns around the AstraZeneca uh, vaccine situation. What's your take on some of these concerns Professor Ames has brought uh, uh, forward, Dr. Angelique?
0: Thanks. Um, I there is concerns, and um, as Professor Ames Kuraki said, that the first world countries are buying up most of these um, vaccines um, I am concerned that um, South Africa paid already in December last year um, uh, 283 million to the COVID vaccines um, Covax program, and as yet we haven't received any vaccines from them. As yet, they have problems in in distributing the vaccines as well. We know that um, the um, lab or the manufacturer. People in um, India had a pro- as a problem. The Serum Institute of India has a problem um, manufacturing enough vaccines. So there is one problem that we are sitting with. We know that with Johnson and Johnson, we are still waiting for the FDI approval. So there is another problem that we are sitting with. We know that the uh, two doses uh, Pfizer vaccine um, uh, you, you need two doses. We know that we only have one million. Um, vaccines currently in, from Pfizer in our country. Therefore, we have asked for um, 42 days between the two vaccines as to try to get us to buy more time to get the second batch of vaccines coming into the country. Um, it seems to us that even on, under the COVAX, there's a problem. They also haven't rolled out enough um, vaccines. Um, they were expected to deliver 14 million doses, dosages of the Pfizer vaccine to at least 47 countries before the end of June. We were supposed to already have received our um, 11,000 uh, um, doses before April. Uh, uh, or, uh, sorry, 170,000 uh, doses that didn't happen. They are behind. Internationally, there's not enough As I've said, um, we know, we see what is happening in India. So there's a huge shortfall of of vaccines. And I think we are in trouble going forward. Um, uh, I also would like to point out that, you know, the uh, Department of Health, they release on a daily basis their stats. Um, But the stats is not 100% correct in the fact that they are saying that uh, they have... Uh, b- been able to procure or to to vaccinate over seven hundred thousand people under the pfizer um, uh, um, pro uh, phase two rollout, but it 's not correct um, they only have uh, managed to at least um vaccine, vaccinate um around about two hundred thousand people mm-hmm. so that they, they use the the stats of the um, sasonki program they included and i think they must uh, so they must try to, to, you know, to report correctly. So, the, mm. because if we get these reports not on a daily vi- basis, um, uh, sent out correctly the stats, then it leads to again to people not trusting the data So, but we are in trouble. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. let's take a quick break because those are serious concerns because that, that would lead us to understanding where we are as a country, uh, Dr. Angelique and Dr. Ames, because they are contradicting statements on whether South Africa is in a third wave. We know that uh, Gauteng's Premier David Makura highlighted that the province in a third wave, while South Africa's health minister was not really outright uh, in terms of declaring that the country could be facing a third wave currently. Uh, We'll speak about that after our break. You are listening to Channel Africa. This is African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Mushatama, who's your host for this hour. Uh, Do stay with us as we try to unpack these complexities of where we are with COVID-19 rates in South Africa. We'll be back after this.
3: I am an African woman. My womb carries the seeds of greatness that shall raise our forefathers' land to its glory days. Happy Africa man. Have you ever asked yourself, what on earth am I here for?
0: When God placed his image in us, he placed a sense of eternity within us.
3: What is my purpose in
0: life? I was made for greatness. I just don't know what it is yet, but I was made for greatness.
3: Life by Design explores the journey of people from around the continent who live a life of purpose. They share their experience on how they discovered what they were meant to do. Join me, Amanda Machaga, every Monday at 8.05 Central African Time for your weekly dose of Monday motivation only on Channel Africa, The African Perspective.
1: Life by design, be the update of your life. Well, you are listening to Channel Africa, South Africa's external service into Sub-Saharan Africa. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama. This hour, you know, I have the privilege of speaking to experts uh, now and then, and uh, it's such a privilege to be able to be asking these questions uh, as a journalist. And sometimes we we ask questions because we want to assert our own views. But I think it's it's a pleasure sometimes to sit back and hear what the experts have to say, so we can understand as society what's happening. And today we have the pleasure to be speaking to Professor Ames Die, a bioethics and health law expert and Dr Angelique Kutsia, the chairperson of the South African Medical Association. A few concerns that they've brought forward around where South Africa is right now. We know we are still leading in the numbers of COVID-19 cases. There's still a big concern around the vaccination procurement and also rollout process. As you heard from Dr. Angelique Kutsia, Professor Ames-Dai highlights something very, very central and uh, becoming more of a theme from an African perspective, the issue of uh, patent waivers when it comes to um, COVID-19 um, uh, vaccinations. Uh, Professor ames Let's look at where we are as South Africa. South Africa is a very much a hub for the African continent. Sometimes I think we we run away from that particular factor that despite the fact that uh, we are in a pandemic, South Africa still remains an economic hub for uh, the continent despite the declines that we've seen recently. And what is of concern is now that uh, we are where we are with the spiking numbers. There are contradicting statements that are coming out, as I mentioned before the break, Gauteng Premier highlighted the provinces in a third wave while uh, the health minister Kies, is a bit uh, conservative and outright declaring uh, a third wave nationally uh, why is this the case is this complex, are we seeing uh, different uh, trends in different provinces
2: so uh, yes when you look at the numbers you will see that they are different in different provinces because, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, you, you look at um, Free State, Gauteng, Northwest, we seem to be the leaders. Uh, so, so you're having provinces with hotspots. Now, uh, you know, and, and provinces themselves could be hotspots. But if you look at the overall increase in um, numbers in the country, It's a 17% overall increase Mm -hmm. in numbers. Uh, And that's over the last seven days. And this, for me, is of huge concern. Mm -hmm. This is of real concern. And, you know, if we considering ourselves, South Africa is one country, and we are having, uh, and we do have provinces of concern, and yet we have free travel between the provinces, the concern is we're going to have more provinces of concern coming in soon as well. So I think it's it's high time that uh, we did recognize that um, we are in a third wave uh, and it's high time that we did look at how uh, we could institute some restrictions that would not impact heavily on livelihoods, but would allow for the, um, you know, the containment of the spread. You know, having said that, I I just want to come back to the comment uh, or, or to the issue of the number of vaccines that have been rolled out, because, you know, like I've said, uh, uh, it's the rapidity of the... Um, of the multiplication, together with the uh, slowness of vaccine rollout that can lead to mutations. Now, yes, we have uh, just over 700,000. And yes, 500,000 were in the Sisoncare program. And the program was from the 14th of February until the 16th of uh, May. That was 5 million, right, or close on to 5 million. Uh, taking into consideration the 10 day suspension, which was again so irrational, uh, of, you know, of, of the vaccine. Uh, but if you look at the rollout now, we're looking at what are we? One and a half weeks and sure. we've done two million as a country. And uh, despite everything, I I feel proudly South African for that. Uh, uh, My uh, concern, though, uh, is are uh, we going to have, because they've, you know, NDOH, National Department of Health, provinces have shown that within less than one and a half weeks, they were able to roll out two million jabs. So they have the potential and we have the capacity. Would we continue having the vaccines? So I want to move forward in terms of that. And and and, and this is where our activism needs to also start focusing is we need activism at a global level mm. to ensure that all everyone everywhere receives that vaccine. Mm. And the only way we can do that is to ensure Number one, we get the waiver. Number two, and it's not only the waiver, but countries have to be capacitated Mm. to produce the vaccines. And very sadly, you know, we make the, I mean, we, uh, you know, we all for this. But just look at it at the moment. Africa imports 99% of its vaccines generally. And we also lack that pre-order purchasing capacity. That richer nations have, but we we actually importing 99% of our vaccines. Um, we do have infrastructural problems, etc. So for me, it's not only the sharing of the IP, but it's also the sharing of the manufacturing abilities, capabilities, and also the sharing of technology. So it's a global sharing. So, you know, the focus at the moment should be let's share not only with Africa, but with other low-income countries as well.
1: You know, I like the way that Dr... um, I like the way Professor Ames, Dr. uh, Angelique, is... is responding to these answers because I asked her about the third wave, but she links it to the international dynamic. And I think that's a very important thing, that these issues are starting to be more aligned and we need to start not seeing issues uh, from just a localised perspective, but also there is that international uh, dimension that is affecting uh, what's happening locally. Dr. Kutsia, what are your thoughts around this issue of waves? Um, Do you think it's something that we should still consider, the consideration of whether we're in a third wave, a second wave, a fourth wave? Are these significant? And in in line of what Professor Ames has highlighted, how do we contextualise our numbers from an international uh, perspective? So,
0: um, officially... We are not yet in a third wave. And officially, I can promise you, we are going in. We are now, Hoting R- 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 is definitely in a third wave. Yes. Um, if you look at the numbers of um, the, the free state, um, as well as Northwest and um, the Northern Cape, those numbers are quite high. And uh, I, I think it's time that we now um, start to acknowledge we are we are going in this wave. We have, and some have said this many times, um, that we will be know we, that we will know by the end of this coming week how far we are. Um, you know, are we going into a third wave or not? Yes, I can promise you, we are going into a third wave. Everywhere, the numbers are increasing. Um, the other thing is always look at the data of the private sector hospital beds in ICU. Once that beds are starting to get. Full, or being occupied, and you are starting to have problems. Um, referring people to hospitals for those ones that are sick and need need to be admitted, um, that's also an indicator that we are moving. You know, there's a problem. There's definitely an increase. So um, if we don't acknowledge it, it means we cannot move into a another level or um, coming with. Um, changes to our um, current restrictions. So because it, it, it makes no sense to say, listen, um, let's look at the curfew, let's look at traveling, let's look at anything, if we do not acknowledge that we are now, going in, that we are now in the third wave, um, very early, but, with, but these provinces are definitely in the third wave. So, so it's acknowledgement. Then also we need to look at the international data to see what happens in other provinces uh, other countries who entered the third wave. How did I manage, What and, and, and did we learn any lessons in our own country from our first and second wave? What, what did we learn, and have we addressed those problems that we have learned? The other thing we need to, to, to again, um, uh, emphasis is human behavior. We have to behave in a proper way. It becomes difficult. It seems to us that people only listen if there is stricter restrictions. That's the only way that they listen, and, and, and it should not be like that. We're not children; we are responsible adults. You know, you want to make decisions yeah. about a lot of things, but but when it comes to your own health, you can't make a decision. So, internationally as well, as Prof. Aim said, we all need to work together. Um, again, from lessons learned, and see how we can assist each other. Going forward, especially in Africa, I'm not so sure that all the Africa stats and data are 100% correct. I think sometimes um, some of the um, other countries in Africa um, think that if they do report that they have a problem, that they might be seen as not being competent. And it should not be like that. It's just it is what it is. You know, if there's there's an outbreak in your country, let us be honest and say, how can we work together? Of course, if we don't work together, we're not going to win this battle.
1: Um let's take another break because I want us to wrap up the conversation soon and, and when we come back Dr. Angelique and Dr. Ames I want to look at moving forward where do we go um, I think we've highlighted some of those issues and I think it's that main topic that we've been speaking around around um, vaccination patent waivers and what ethical considerations should we be looking at, uh, at the subject at hand and uh, what are your greatest concern moving into the next phases of of this particular year, we're right in the middle of the year. It's a, it's a pivotal point right now. We're entering into a, a, a worsening winter season, that's something to also consider. We'll look at those factors after the break.
3: My woman, my everything. Yo, I'm available. I'm, I'm available. Yo, this is Patter Rankin and you're listening to Channel Africa on an African perspective.
0: Change Your Game is a weekly entrepreneurial program
1: that targets entrepreneurs, especially youth, on the African continent. Last year, Google named me as one of the brightest young minds in the world. The program seeks to portray various opportunities and options that are available for entrepreneurs. I came up with the way for the world not to pass. It focuses and highlights real issues concerning entrepreneurship. There are so many people whose potential is still untapped.
0: At Change Your Game, we believe entrepreneurs are the key drivers of tomorrow's African innovations and essential to creating a thriving African economy. African Southern Africa, the African perspective. Have
3: you ever asked yourself, what on earth am I here for?
0: When God placed his image in us, he placed a sense of eternity within us.
3: What is my purpose in life? I was made for greatness. I just don't know what it is yet, but I was made for greatness. Life by Design explores the journey of people from around the continent who live a life of purpose. They share their experience on how they discovered what they were meant to do. Join me, Amanda Machaga, every Monday at 8.05 Central African Time for your weekly dose of Monday motivation only on Channel Africa, The African
1: Perspective. Life by Design. Be the uptake of your life. All right, we're going to wrap up this uh, fascinating conversation with uh, Dr. Kutsia and uh, Professor uh, Dai. both of them helping us understand the moment. Because if we can diagnose the issues and and the problems and the challenges, then we can move forward. We can be more aware. I tell you, these programs help me as an individual because I I use all this advice that I get from um, uh, these experts and I incorporate it into my life. So everything that they've said, I don't take it for granted. I take everything that Dr. Kutsia, I think Dr. Kutsia has become my my COVID nineteen mother. Every time she speaks, I kind of like take it in and take it in and, and kind of absorb it into into my system. So I really appreciate it. Thank you to also Professor Di for her contribution in this uh, show. She's become part of the uh, Channel Africa family indeed. Professor Dai, let's let's move things forward as as we wrap it up. Ethical considerations are becoming a central a uh, talking point here. Uh, where do we go from here?
2: So I, I think uh, there's an ethical imperative, like Dr. Kutsia has pointed out, that there has to be official acknowledgement of the fact that we are in the third wave. And with that official acknowledgement, to institute the necessary measures to contain the third wave and respond to the third wave. I also think that we need to acknowledge the fact that while vaccines are not the be-all and end-all of prevention, they are absolutely pivotal because we are able to see now that not all members of society are responsible enough to ensure our strict public health measures. You know, I think it's important for us to look at, you know, we've got a beautiful philosophy on the continent, Uh, I am who I am, or I exist because you exist. And that is a philosophy of interrelatedness and interdependence. And uh, however, by uh, the the manner in which uh, some of uh, our society Handles the issues in terms of prevention. It, it, it really shows that, you know, we actually look at Ubuntu in words, but we don't really subscribe to it. And I think we need a reinfusion of that. Um, I, I also think it's important to, uh, to remember in the midst of all this, there are huge social issues as well. And I don't think that our state has done enough to address the social issues because our state is more, you know, more involved. And we can see from the Zondo Commission that trillions have been faulted off to individual selfish people. And you wonder how Ubuntu applied to them. So, you know, uh, there's got to be a lot in terms of social upliftment if we want to handle this pandemic and if we want to prevent further pandemics. And so going forward, it's not only COVID-19 prevention, but also preparedness for further pandemics. My other huge concern with regard to going forward is vaccine hesitancy and the anti-vaxxer element that mm. comes in, mm. and they're making a lot of mischief. There's huge mischief going around mm. on this. And mm. personally, I have family members and friends that I have to be sitting and talking to all the time mm. to get them to understand the wrong in you know in this uh, the anti-vaxxer sentiment. So going forward, yes, the very, very important in terms of global access and equity to the COVID-19 vaccines, which must be declared a public good at the highest uh, legislative body in the world, and that's the United Nations. I also think going forward, the, uh, what the con- you know, rich countries who have promised to donate their vaccines uh, once they've actually completed their vaccinations. We're not looking for charity. We don't yeah. want charity. Yeah. We actually want to, be, to have equitable access to manufacturing capacity. Having said that, we also need to acknowledge our problems in Africa. And, you know, when we look at our continent, we also have a continent riddled in uh, dictatorship, corruption, and civil war is rife as well. So we've got to do, we've got a lot of work to do going forward because mm, mm, Africa, mm. in mm, Africa, yeah. we're not devoid of, mm. uh, of guilt in not moving forward as well. Well, well we but have to wrap I it up, uh, Dr. Tai Just most, give me your
1: final yeah. 30 seconds.
2: Most important, when the history of the pandemic is written, South Africa must be on the right side mm. and it must be recorded mm. to have been on the right side. Mm with mm. the history of COVID-19.
1: Mm. Well, we have to leave it there. Dr. Angelique Kutsia, let me give you also just 20 seconds to give me your final say. I know you have a passion for people taking personal responsibility.
0: Thanks. Um, I want to, very quick, um, I care for you, therefore away my mask. Mm. and I'm keeping my distance Mm. from you because I care. I think that is extremely important. Then, again, the same old story. Healthcare should be in the hands of doctors or people involved in the healthcare system with experience and coming through the ranks, not political um, uh, employments. And politicians must do their politician uh, work out there, Mm. leave the healthcare in the hands of the people who can do it. If we can't okay. get this right, if we can't sure. distinguish between this two, we're not going to get it right.
1: Thank you, Dr. Kutsia. Thank you, Dr. Adai, for giving us your time. I appreciate you both. Very helpful. We'll also put this on our podcast and make sure that uh, the word goes out. Thank you for your participation.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye.